Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, October 21st. This is episode 73. I'm Tony. And I'm Dennis. We're going to talk to you about, you know, new stuff. There might be some pinball-related something or other and some video game-related thises and thats. I mean, it's not like anything really big happened this weekend. No, there's no pinball expo going on or anything, or having recently wrapped up, because I believe, other than the tournament, Sunday is now actually officially not expo anymore, so... Because everyone left then anyway. Yeah. Or that's the rumor I hear. We're not there, and we're not going to cover every play-by-play of Expo, but that's pretty much going to be just about the entire pinball segment, because anything that is of interest was happening out in Chicagoland. Mm. But... That just means we're going pinball news. There's been lots of interesting stuff that's been happening around here, starting with you, Tony. Starting with me. What's going on, Tony? What's been happening? It's been two weeks. It's been two weeks. Two and I know nine weeks. times out of ten, when this starts, my, my first thing is, I've done say nothing it. but work. Say, yeah, there we go. Here's the truth of the matter. There we go. I worked a lot because we got a lot of rain. And my job is one of those jobs that is heavily affected by the weather. And when there's lots of rain, that involves me having to work a lot of extra time. So I put in a lot of overtime. But with all that said, I actually did a lot. Um, I have buried myself deep into the loot pinata that is Diablo Mm -hmm. 3. I picked it up again for the first time in, I haven't touched it in like two years. since Not since Reaper of Souls came out. Uh, I haven't touched, I hadn't touched it since before the Necromancer release. So, uh, having noticed that it's just coming out on Switch, and I'm not going to double dip and buy it on Switch because it seems like a game that would be terrible on the Switch platform, uh, just because I like how a mouse and keyboard works with it. So, uh, but it did make me want to play again. So I played, so I started firing it up again and playing it and, I went ahead and picked up the expansion that added the Necromancer class because I always liked that from Diablo 2. And it's been a lot of fun. I've been playing through the new season and I've cleared the new season and I've just been remembering both why I love and why I hate that game. Mm. It's, yeah, I haven't even played since before Reaper of Souls came out. Yeah. It's still, it's still, it's a fun game, <clears throat> but. It's definitely one of those games that once you get geared right and you get everything, uh, your, your rotation set up and, and everything settled in right, you can definitely, you know, watch TV shows and movies and stuff while doing it with no problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good because I know that's how you, you like to have a lot of games that allow you to do that. Yeah, that's, I'll, I'll do that. I mean, if I'm playing a more serious game, of course I don't, but with a game like this, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll stream some Netflix or, or or watch Amazon Prime or something and play. Um, in addition to that, I hit a weird spot on YouTube, and I know how I got there is because I was listening to a bunch of music. I was listening to a bunch of postmodern jukebox, uh, watching a bunch of postmodern jukebox videos, and. Uh, one of the recommendations at the end of one of the postmodern jukebox videos was for a barbershop quartet that was doing like a parody song. So I watched it and it turns out it was part of a channel that is just like, all they do is it's like, like the national championship barbershop quartet competition things. And they just, it happens in the middle of the summer. And then a couple months later they post all of the video footage of all of the stuff up on YouTube for you to watch. So I've been just chaining barbershop quartets for mm. like five, six days now. Wow. 
That's a lot. I, I, I don't know why, but for some reason, I'll, I'll be sitting there and it's like, I want to listen to some music while I play some Diablo. And I'll just start. Oh, it's the semi-finalist. I'll just start the playlist of the semi-finalist. And then I'll play some Diablo. Mm. So, Interesting. Yeah. No, it's that weird spot. And the, the 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 last thing is just hilarious, and my wife is going to slaughter me for saying it. For she mentioning may not it. know. She might not know. She might not know. But the last time I did one of these things where the wife might not know, I actually ended up listening to the episode back, and she walked in the room somehow just as that part came on when I was mm-hmm. when, when I made made something joking at her so at her expense. But I got home from work yesterday because I was working the weekends, and before I went to play pinball uh, with you last night. Uh, she was getting ready to take the girls and go shopping, but she went in and uh, took a shower. The doorknob broke. Fell off broke? No. The retractor inside that retracts the bolt broke. The bolt uh, couldn't retract. Okay, I had that She was locked the in the bathroom. Yeah. All of the screws and all of everything to the handle are inside the bathroom. So she had to go and, and and scour the bathroom until she found a little bit of metal that would fit in to the Phillips screws so she could start unscrewing them from the inside. Because she didn't have anything to even knock the hinges off the right, door. Right. Right. Well, she did that, and I was sitting there, and I was talking to her and laughing. And, and, and she got it off, and she pulled the handle out. It's like, okay, the handle's out. Now the door will open. Door wouldn't open. The bolt was broken and jammed into the thing. Mm. It wouldn't come out at all. We couldn't get it to move. I ended up sitting there with a, uh, a multi-tool and a screwdriver and a hammer. And I had to go in and shatter the entire, break the bolt off, the back of the bolt off so I could get enough room. I could get in there with my, with my pliers and grab the bolt and pull the bolt back through, which, I mean, she was locked in the bathroom for like, Half an hour. Hmm. <laughs> so you got through it pretty quick. Yeah, it wasn't bad. But then she had to. Well, I went and played pinball with you. She went to Home Depot and bought a new handle for the bathroom because that's hers in the girls' bathroom. I've got my own separate bathroom. Oh, I wasn't sure that was like a landlord thing though, where they would be responsible for the handle. <sighs> it's not worth the time oh, okay. or the effort to call the landlord when you could just go buy a ten dollar door handle and put it back in place. Fair enough. Sorry. <laughs> I was just glad that it was her that had gotten locked inside mm-hmm. instead of one of the girls. Yeah. Or, or yeah, that would have been. Mm-hmm. Now that you'll never, tr- they'll not trust doors. Maybe for years. Maybe. Maybe ever. Maybe. I'm thinking maybe I need to put an 11 in one, just keep it in the bathroom in mm. case it ever happens again. They can, somebody can release themselves. Yeah, or just a little, a long screwdriver and a hammer and give, and kind yeah. of like, like CPR train, give them some, uh, here's how the hinges come off these doors. Yeah, They're exactly. hollow. They're very light. Just knock these things out and then pull really hard and try not to let it fall and tuck and roll when it falls on you. <laughs> tuck and roll. <laughs> cover your head. Yeah. Cover your heart, yeah. Andy. Cover your heart. <laughs> oh, wow. So you've had quite the adventure. It's been a uh, pretty awesome two weeks. Okay. Well, that's good. I um, had a work conference, annual conference. So that this year was the last time we were relatively nearby. In the next couple of years, we're planning to be a little bit further out in the state, more centralized. I like uh, how you changed from saying out in the sticks. 
Yeah. No. Well, we we require because of how we do it, we we provide a lot of training for local officials. So we have a lot of challenges in finding a location that not only has you have to find a city with enough hotel rooms, mm-hmm. which has, and that's not too bad. We need about six hundred plus though. Then you need a facility that has an expo type hall for your vendor show mm-hmm. because we tend to have around a hundred booths of vendors, and these are ten by ten feet booths. And then we also need a place with enough just individual hotel workshop rooms so that we can run concurrent educational sessions. And the challenge is finding a place that can do all three of that. We've got plenty of cities in Kansas that could give us the hotel rooms. Right. But most of those places can't give us the hotel rooms and have a hotel that could actually handle the number of workshops. And the issue is that a lot of our affiliate groups have their annual meeting at our conference. So we need enough to accommodate all of them that want to do that. That's like 10 rooms, 10 conference rooms. And so historically speaking, there are only three cities that have the capabilities to meet our requirements. And we only use two of them because one of them's run down, not the city, but I mean, the yeah. city is run down, but, but the <laughs> facility is so run down that my boss and the uh, prior conference planner did not like using it. They felt it was uh, too schlubby. I'm pretty sure, not certain. I know exactly which one you're talking about because I've attended conferences okay. there. Right, and the rundown is a good word yes, for it. Yes, it is. It is. It's bad. A lot of people are suspecting maybe they're just planning to tear down the expo hall near it and everything. Yeah, you know, I don't know. If that's true enough. So anyway, had all that uh, earlier in the week, uh, and then so we were getting ready for pinball. I can't believe in your intro you didn't talk about how you did at Pizza West. No, I did. I'm not. Nah. You're like no. Nah. It's only your best finish ever. It is my best finish ever. I had a really good night. You couldn't couldn't even bring. You had to talk about the doorknob. Uh, that was funny. It was, but victory tastes. It wasn't it, victory. It's like I didn't, savory. I you got it, it, you got money back. I got money back. And that, was, that's like victory. Was, that's a victory was, for your wallet. That's a victory for my wallet. Yes. No. That. I, Why didn't you I, talk about that disgusting pizza you ordered? It wasn't disgusting. It looked like you're crap. right. It looked like it should have been disgusting. I ordered it, it and I didn't even know how good it would be, but I had hopes for it, and it was amazing. I'd intentionally ordered that pizza a little larger than I'd wanted because I was going to take some home for the kids to try, and it was so good I ate the whole bloody thing. No, it was amazing. No. I'm telling you, if you get a chance, I know it sounds insane, but a properly well done pizza that's covered in you know mashed potatoes. And cheese and bacon mm-hmm. and chicken mm-hmm. and, 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 and green onions is amazing. Mm-hmm. It had no right no. to be that good. No. I'm sorry that you are so set in your ways. You won't try new things. I tried a new thing. I never had the pasta with garlic and olive oil before at that Pasta place. with garlic and olive oil. Yes. yes. That's such a big change from your normal pasta with pesto sauce. Or pasta with Alfredo sauce. It's a pasta place. Or pasta with marinara sauce. You just like insulted all of Italy with your mashed potato Irishification of pizza. I'm not not trying to be that way. I'm Uh. just saying that I go in there. They have a pie of the day. As long as the pie of the day is not covered in a bunch of stuff that I find disgusting, I try it because I'm trying new things. Well, I'm not getting sour cream drizzled on a pizza. It worked really well. It's gross. It was. It's not even good on a taco. And you're gonna put. You're right. That's the thing. I won't touch sour cream on tacos. Of course not, because it's gross. But it worked well on that pizza. No, 
It did. No, I looked at it and I knew. The moment I saw it, I thought, no, they never sell these. You were the only one to buy it that day. I wasn't. I could. The waitress was like, it was telling good. me no one really eats this stuff. That's a, that, that, that's a lie. She flat out said, and I quote, it's the bomb.com. Oh my God. She did say that. She it, did say that. She did say that. And I wanted to say, get out. But since she worked there, what authority did I have? I had none. I have no power. It's, it's it was, very frustrating. It was very good. I, but yes, I did well in the tournament. I got fourth place. That's what it is going to end up being. I think. Yeah, probably. We'll find out a little we'll bit later in the week. When, when I think. it finishes, but it's going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be up there. I, I, I've never placed that well there before, and I just. It was just one of those nights where, for some reason, I was hitting almost all of my shots. Mm. It's like, well, this is what it feels like to be a winner. Yay! You're a winner. Uh, Well, a couple other things. Uh, I have not done a garnishment update in a long time because there hasn't been a lot to update. So I'll go ahead and do that now. I know the intro is getting a little meaty at this point, but people just have to accept. Uh, So, okay. So last I think I really had mentioned, I had a small claims judgment against someone who failed to finish a deck building project on my house. And this was now over three years ago. Late last year, I finally got him back in court because I found out where he was and we started to do garnishments. Those garnishments made a lot of progress, but the last garnishment payment I got was back in April, end of April. So I contacted his employer because I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, where's my weekly check? And they'd sometimes been a little spotty with the mailing and stuff. Like sometimes they'd piggyback two checks together, which was fine. It's just, there was no consistency. So it was hard to know if it was their fault or not. Well, his hours had been cut back. So while that's going on, he indicates I'm looking for another job because they only have me working 23 hours a week. Eventually he gets a job at a Jiffy Lube franchise. So I get the new employment information, get the judge to sign new garnishment documents. It's a whole ordeal. And this franchise is not based in Kansas, it's based in Texas. So they wanted the garnishment documents to be sent directly to corporate, which I did. And just like in the first employer, they don't follow the rules on the form. They're supposed to get back with me in a month and they don't. So I start calling them and eventually I get the confirmation about what's going on. And they say, okay, we've processed it all, but you won't be getting a check this month. He doesn't work enough hours. And I'm like, this is a, a July or August-ish, probably early August. And I'm like, what do you mean he's not working enough hours? He told me he was shifting to Jiffy Lube because it was a 40-hour-a-week job, plus probably overtime. That's why he, I mean, I don't think he wants to just keep working part-time. Mm-hmm. But there are federal rules on how garnishment can be collected. He has to make above the minimum wage. And that is the minimum wage times 40 hours a week. So even if he makes more than minimum wage, if his hours are too low, it won't meet the threshold and I can't get the money from garnishment. Where's Doesn't mean he, that, yeah, he still owes me the money. He's still obligated to try and come up with a payment plan and pay me, but we're doing garnishment because he was having so much trouble saving. So I go and I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do. So I call uh, or I send him a message and I tell him, okay, they're saying you don't work enough hours. And his response is, that doesn't make any sense. And now I'm confused. I'm like, are they looking at the wrong employee file? 
is he not telling me that he's not working enough hours because he doesn't want to be garnished? I mean, that in a way he doesn't want to probably well, yeah. be garnished. Uh, so anyway, I give it a couple weeks and then I follow back up and I'm, I said, okay, I haven't, still haven't received anything from them. He indicated he was going to talk to his employer about the issue. So I'm like, what'd your employer say? He goes, Oh, I quit. <laughs> this is the part where I throw my pen there. That was my attitude. I'm like, all that work. I mean, it's a huge pain. I have to fill out a map. What about me, Tony? What about me? <laughs> Every garnishment requires a massive packet of documentation that I have to fill out, go to court, get pay them money, get the judge to sign it, send the, the debtor a copy so that because he can contest it, he could appeal that the garnishment's wrong and send it to the employer who then doesn't respond within the 30 day time period that they're supposed to respond to because they're like, whatever. But I can't do anything about that until I think 90 days. And then I could try and take the employer to court and shift the debt onto them. That's how it works. I never have gotten to get to do that. <laughs> you think eventually if this keeps getting drawn out, Whenever you know, I go to the court, they look at the date. They write the date around the court case down wrong because the court case number starts with a 15 because 2015 was the year I did this. And they're like, you don't have this money? No, I don't. Help me. Like, well, no, we can't intervene with that. That's your job. Like, this it's is small claims. You do it. So that's the, that's the rule. All right. So last month, I contact him and I say, all right, what's going on? Do you, do you have a new job yet? If you get me the information, I don't need a whole new asset form. I'll just, I'll fill out another garnishment packet. And he's like, I do have a new job. What, when do I, when is the interest? See, I've, I've been threatening the court interest because the court mandated when I, when I won the case mm-hmm. that the way it works is on the judgment, the principle, basically the, the balance of the judgment it's 12% a year interest. So the way I've been calculating it is on an annual basis, 12%. So when he finally started, before he started paying me, we had 24% interest, which added like 500 and some dollars to the bill. So I told him, okay, well, October 19th is the third year anniversary. That would be when I would assess the 12%. And he said, I think I can pay you back by October 19th. And I said, do you want to do payments? Or are you saying all in one payment? He goes, in one payment. I said, okay, I'll contact you in a month. Because that was the time period, a month. So I contact him on the 19th. No answer. I didn't see that he'd seen the message yet. On the morning of the 20th, he did answer. He said, I wasn't able to get all the money put together. But he got most of it. So I went and picked up a check yesterday for $1,200 and it cleared according to the bank today. So I don't know how they do it with it being not a business. Day. I think yeah, it's all different I, now with the mobile deposits. Yeah, and everything. Yeah. So because he asked me how much uh, to, to figure out how much interest there would be uh, if we could maybe count the $1,200 first or something or whatnot. I said, here's what I'll do. Because with that amount, plus all the garnishments I got, if we were to count first dollar to principal and not to the court fees and the interest, I've gotten back all of the money that I sued for. Yeah. From the project. And, and then some. 
So I said, let's do it like that. And let's not assess interest. I'm not out to be punitive, but I want the rest of that money because it took you three years. So supposedly November 3rd, I'll get the remaining amount, which is a balance less than $600. But regardless of what happens, I did get back the money that I sued for. What payball machine are you getting? That's not enough for anything. What could you get anymore? You can't even get a stars because Ron and Bruce of the Slam Tilt podcast inflated the cost of all the <laughs> sterns. So what's there left? A Dolly Parton? Probably. Yeah, maybe. Maybe Dolly. We'll see. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Um, I'm just, I want, hopefully, I'm, I'm glad he's got it. He's got his new job and he says it's going well. And so I'm glad that he's in a good spot, but I'm mostly glad. But once you get your last account. check, you don't ever want to talk to him again. I'll be more than happy to talk. I don't think we'll ever be friends, but I'll be more than happy to have a conversation with him. But I'll, I won't be contracting with him for any work. Let's just put it that way. Let's just put it that way. But hey, I can move past this stuff. Money can fix a lot of things. <laughs> I can be bought. It can, you can buy my tolerance. And so I, I'm, you know, I've always tried to be sympathetic, but I mean, that's why where all these fees come into play. This has been very arduous for me. Uh, but. I couldn't just let him get away with it. And even if it's, you know, his claim was, he's given me, I'm not going to go into all that. We've already gone on for over 20 minutes, but not on just this topic. But so anyway, I, I understand where he's coming from. He knew what he did was wrong. He's making it right. It's way later than it should ever have been, but it's getting right. So I'll be okay once it's completely rectified. But I was in a very good mood myself yesterday because I finally got back everything I had asked for. And that I went in not expecting interest or getting court fees. I didn't know that was a, that I could get those. Right. So <clears throat> that puts me in, in a relatively good mood. And I think he'll be happy once I get the rest of it. Because you I'll, won't be stalking I'll cancel him. the, I'll cancel the judgment will be listed as satisfied. Yeah. That, he might be tired of my messages, <laughs> but also it will go off of his, like his credit rating and stuff. It will no longer show that he still has outstanding legal debt. Which yeah. I believe basically precludes him from getting anything from a credit card to a bank loan. So that's been some of the influence I felt I've been able to bring to bear. But I think for quite a while, he wasn't in a position to even ask for loans. Right. So very challenging. The final thing is I want to go ahead and plug our Twitch channel, which we've mentioned, but I've been streaming a lot more, uh, trying to at least a couple of times a week, streaming pinball games and people seem to come in and like to watch it. The reason I want to plug it, and it's at the bottom of our uh, show notes now always, anyway, is we would like people to follow the channel. We're trying to get – that's the last thing we need to get the numeric amount up to move us into affiliate status. And the reason I want affiliate status is it gives us a priority on the transcoding. And because we're going to do the commentary at KC GameCon, I'd like to be able to hopefully accommodate the people who are watching – on a mobile device and trying to control the amount of data that their plans are using. Right. And we will have a very unlikely chance of being able to offer transcoding if we're not at least an affiliate. So I've met all the other conditions. Our average viewers are good. Our amount of streaming and, and different stream quantities have been good. It's fun to do, uh, but I do need about 20 more followers. And then I think, I think it's basically automatic. It's not like Twitch partner. They right. just, they'll let any old trashy person be an affiliate. So yeah, once be, we become a partner and like make money and this and that. Yeah. Yeah. That's for the Jack Dangers of the world. 
we're not after that, but I do. I wish it guaranteed the transcoding. That's and then I definitely I'd be like, guys, you will follow, or we will never, (laughs) we will, or we will never podcast again. It's that simple. What would you do without the tenth best pinball podcast? (laughs) You would be sad. That is what you would. So speaking of pinball, Tony, let's finally move into pinball news, and that is Expo Pinball Expo 2018 has, to my knowledge, essentially just wrapped up. The tournaments may still be going on at this time we're recording, but. No one cares about tournaments anyway, so let's talk about news. And I'd say there are pretty much four main things to hit on, a couple of which won't be taking too much time. The first I'd like to bring up is, finally, Monster Bash Remake has gotten its full-fledged unveiling. And they're supposed to start shipping very, very soon. I saw a write-up from, I believe, Pinball Star today that the mid-tier model... I believe is expected to start heading out in one week, maybe two. Well, the, it better at this point, uh, depending upon what the holdups were. If the holdups were, were, you know, not rebuilding everything, then they should have everything been ready to go since the announcement was originally planned for TPF. Yeah. And so did you get a look at the, any of the changes? I, I, I saw, okay. I, I, I saw the topper and I saw the, uh, the the monitor the the new bigger monitors right. and this and that and yeah it okay. looks good yeah they um a few other changes i haven't heard anything about and i haven't looked super closely but no one that i've seen is talking about anything about a new code new set of rules that some no. people thought might have been the delay and other people like me were confused because monster bash has good rules yeah i think it's i mean it's not modern rules but it's perfectly sufficient it's not cactus canyon it's no. not unfinished. It's a fun way. game, as is. It's not like you feel like you're missing something. Right. So, a couple other cosmetic changes. Uh, they have that, like, the plasma caps. If anyone's ever seen the plasma pop bumpers, they have some sort of, like, plasma lightning-looking thing on the playfield. And a lot of the toys uh, are were remolded. Maybe those were the delays to get the yeah. approvals for those new Universal Monster looks, which they just, they look better. They look like nicer toys. So... Very, very focused on a lot of cosmetic improvements. Uh, and the very interesting thing I saw, we heard about this from our uh, operator, Casey Pins operator, who uh, runs the Pizza West tournament, who owns those games, mentioned, and I, again, in that same email I noted from Pinball Star, saw that confirmation, the classic model, $6,000. That's so, amazing. I think everyone thought Monster Bash was going to be more than Medieval Madness was. And it's got too many toys. Right. So it's going to be more than Medieval, and Medieval was more than Attack from Mars, which everyone thought made sense. But no, it came in below. So. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I think, I think for that reason in particular, a lot of people might not settle for the classic edition. They'll want that big screen with a beautiful color display. But regardless, it puts them in a very good competitive space against the stern pros of the world. So I'm glad to finally see that that game has moved forward and people who want it will be able to purchase it because the nice thing about the Chicago gaming remakes, they already know that there's demand for all the titles they're choosing. So I'm sure it will do fine for them. Probably I think, very, well. very well. I think that more than any of the others, this is the one I think has the best chance to sell decent amounts of the classic edition because of that price. Mm, that's Monster Bash is a good game. And having a new in box Monster Bash for six grand is going to be a huge, huge draw to people. 
It's going to be something that people are going to want, and I can understand it. Yes, if I had the choice and I had the money, would I rather have the the awesome LE version with the topper and all the extra bells and whistles? Of course I would. But $6,000 for a brand new one? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. And operators are going to like it. Monster Bash is a popular game. Mm -hmm. Yep, I agree with you. Okay. Uh, If I were the other boutiques, I'd be getting a little worried. Yeah, when the prices start hitting that, you're going to, especially because for all of the talk about the weird color issues and weird this is and that's that we've heard about, like, uh, I remember when AFM first came out, there was some coloration concerns. Yeah, on the play field. On the play field. And and, and medieval madness, there had been a few quality control concerns here and there. There haven't been that many. Most of the stuff has been incredibly minor nitpick. And it's not like some of the other stuff where it's like, hey, look, this, all these screws fell out when I opened the game. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yep. no, I think they're in a good place and I think they are moving ahead quite well. Okay. Well, we'll move ahead then to what I guess I'm guessing because we're not there. But when people go back to say what one expo, I wouldn't be surprised if they say Oktoberfest pinball. I think its full name is Oktoberfest pinball on tap. And the reason is it's the only new game that uh, was relatively unknown or unexpected. It was known that it was going to be revealed at expo, but uh, everyone knows Monster Bash already. So right. This is the only brand new game that was completely new being revealed. Um, there's footage in the linked in the show notes, uh, dead flip, Jack danger showed uh stream gameplay of it. So people got to see it's very preliminary. I heard in a, with an interview, one of the coders, Josh Kugler on head to head pinball, I believe he indicated that it's especially the assets that are behind. So I guess overall, if I remembering right, they see it as about 30% of the way there in terms of coding. Um, wow. That's like, that's like, that's almost pre-alpha at that point. Yeah. Yeah. They only had, I think, maybe four of the 14 <clears throat> modes ready to go. The two main multiballs are in. A lot of the graphical assets are not ready yet. There's supposed to be four main theme music songs that play in the background when you're not in a mode. Only one of them was in. Uh, so anyway, uh, I don't know if you had looked at any of the shots yet of Oktoberfest. I, I, I've I've only looked at static images. Okay. I haven't had a chance to watch any video. Well, that's been where a lot of the discussion's been is regarding the look. So, it's, it's because it looks like a unicorn ate a box of Crayolas and then vomited on the playfield? That could be that could be one comparison. Another comparison I read on Pinside, I'm sorry I don't have the user handle memorized to give them credit, was it looked like Sega and Alvin G had a baby. <laughs> or as based off a of discussion with someone uh, at uh, our tournament last night that Sega and Alvin G had a baby and Alvin G won. <laughs> it's the dominant genes, <laughs> and it, which is for the better for this. <laughs> um, yeah. So as I've noted many times, and I'm not changing my philosophy on this, you don't play the art. So I don't really care how the art is. However, the art is bad. It is. The art is bad. I think the play field is the best part of the art only because, yes, I do, because I think at least the color choices were good. But it's a weird mix of, and you have to look at it from far out and then it looks okay. When you zoom in and you start seeing how they've laid out everything, different font for different tent names, 
the grass. Uh, it just all of a sudden becomes like this muddled mess of a thing. But I think the side cabinet, not so much the back box, but the sides of the cabinet, I think are terrible. I actually think that's the worst part. Really? Yes. It's got this weird thing with the logo and the characters. And I just think it just doesn't look like it was balanced at all. And then I put the translate in between because on the translate, it's like this weird blend of Photoshop people, like real people as Easter eggs and then hand drawn, creepy, uncanny valley crap going on. Yeah. And that really bugs me. The, 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 the translate back, that whole back box bought, that was the, that bothered me. So, All of it. So I say the playfield's the best because it's got the least uncanny valley going on because it, there's just such a mess of everything else. It's like this yeah, smorgasbord, unicorn, crayon color everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but I think the individual shades, and I'm mean, trying to say something nice. The individual shades, the color choices doesn't seem like it's no, oversaturated it's not like or anything. Right. And it's not, it's not like that. It just is a little. It's bad. Yeah. I, I, I don't like it. I'm not saying it's a bad game. There's some stuff no. on this game that looks really interesting. I would never not own this game even with this art. It's not, it doesn't yeah. offend me, but I, it's not good. It's right. just not good. I mean, I think the wire forms look good. I, 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 I'm always a fan of a physical ball. Like if this game plays good, cool. I just think the art's not my cup of beer. Well, I, I watched a lot of the gameplay that Jack was streaming. Um, my initial concern when I saw the wire forms was, is the ball going to stay on the wire forms? But assuming they engineered it right, it should, but yeah. it was an initial concern of mine. I was in the gaming on 10 minutes a week discord and got into a debate about w- randomness, which, you know, we've touched yes. on and they've touched on extensively. And, uh, because there were some arguments that balls randomly falling off ramps would somehow be a good thing. It's like, uh, no. That's not that. That would be a design failure. If you want randomness, just take out the ramps. But if you have a ramp, a ball needs to behave, or make the ramp spit the ball out somewhere in the middle of the playfield, like dialed in does on the left side. But it was very weird. Huh? I can actually see the argument. I don't agree with the argument, but I can understand. If the a ball's argument. falling off a ramp randomly, it just means the engineer didn't know how to make a ramp. That's my problem. It would never have been on purpose. Right, but but I mean, I can see where. The whole randomness ad where that sometimes happened ad to it would be kind of like the randomness from a pop bumper. I can see the argument. I don't agree with sure. the argument, but I can. They, and they've done that. I, I, they've I think done it's, that. I think you know, it's not a valid argument. They, not on this game, but Laser War has a ramp that does not, doesn't have to dump into an inlay. There right. are ramps that don't do, dial in has a ramp like that. Laser War has a ramp like that. Gladiators has a ramp like that up at the top. Mm-hmm. So. That's not what this is doing. Are you going to buy gladiators with your garnishment money? I don't even know if anyone owns gladiators. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, but mechanically it looked fine. Uh, my, my, my player concern is these are, I, the ramps look awesome. It's like Baywatch when it mm-hmm. comes to wire forms. But the problem is with all these corks screwing around and everything, that's a long period of time for the ball to not be in play because it's not being randomized and then you're not flipping it when it's on a ramp. And these are some long ramps, especially that corkscrew ramp. So I don't know how long it would be personally for me to get sick of waiting for the ball 
how many times is it fun to watch go around and around? Because I'm not a toddler. I want to play pinball. Right. But at the same time, it's that I think that's going to come back to how fast are the ramps. Right. And so far, I don't have a good enough feeling. Some people have said they felt it was slow. Uh, I didn't think it was, I think it'll be pretty consistent, whatever it is, because of just how they balanced it. Um, in terms of how it plays, everyone who's played it that I've seen comments from and from what I was able to watch are in agreement. It's got a lot easier shots than Houdini has. There are maybe two quote unquote tight shots in the game. One of which is a standard size scoop hole. So if you think a scoop shot is hard, then you'll say that's a tight shot. If you think a scoop shot is an easy shot, then you'll say there are no hard shots because the scoop's the hardest shot. <laughs> so, so it's got, yeah, it's going to be, and that showed in the line of people at Expo because this plays long. Oh, this is a long player. It's not a flow game, but it is more flow than Houdini. It's like maybe a 50-50 flow stop-and-go style, which, I mean, aside from Hobbit, which, as we both agree, is a complete failure of a game, Balser doesn't really do full flow styles, usually. And that's flow fine. Flow and go. That's fine. Yeah. I, yeah flow stop and, go. and flow. Yeah. Flow stop and go. I, there are great stop-and-go games out there. I, I mean, I favor flow, but I want there to be stop-and-go games, too, mm-hmm. because I want there to be a variety. So... Overall, I and I enjoyed Houdini when I played it. I did too. I was pleasantly surprised by it. But I think this looks fun to shoot. I do really want to shoot it. I do too. Uh, for me, I don't think the layout looks amazeballs. You like my little pun there with, with pinball? This And it's a little uh, double entendre. It's definitely little. Oh, so mean. Um, did you read about the, the Magnab? The, yeah, there's the one at the top for hitting the, uh, uh, the lanes at the top, and there's another just, uh, that's an outline save. It's not an outline save. It's, it's a, a uh, it's for the upper right flipper. Oh, yeah, to place you it remember, for the upper like, right flipper. You remember like Simpsons Ball Party where that upper right flipper right. is? And there's like a little gate that always slows the ball down and lets mm-hmm. it go. This has a magnet to catch the ball instead. That is player controllable. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. it, it's above the flip, so, so it's not like roller games where it preps it at the tip. This one is just so it can pause it and let you get ready to do your shot. And according to Josh Kugler, that ramp shot is wide and not hard. And it was designed that way. I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes. I also like the, um, uh, I don't know. Okay. Likes the, I'm interested in the fact that from what I read, it does have a, a, a stealable multi-ball lock. That, as you informed me, it sounds like can't be shut off. Uh, from the interview on Head to Head, my, yeah, Josh, at least as it's coded, Josh Cooler indicated the, the beer barrel multi-ball lock steel is not, it's not disableable. It's always on. And it is deliberately designed to not tell you how many balls are already in it. So you're supposed to be paying attention if you're planning to do a lock steal to know whether or not you want to go for it. Or not, but it's not going to show you how many balls you've already locked. I don't know if that's going to be on a status screen somewhere. See, that was a, an interesting thing with the, with the head to head interview because Josh made it very clear that he and our last episode guest host, Joe Schober, come at pinball coding from very different perspectives. Josh is into the entertainment style. Let's have fun. Let's have the funny 
rules and uh, all this you know unique crazy stuff going on. And Joe's sitting there going, you can't do that. That'll piss tournament players off. This is what you need to do. And here's where we're going to add multipliers. And here's where we're going to give an option so people can keep collect these steins and they're going to help advance their score in some way. And so I'm very interested to see how this turns out. As I noted with Joe, and I, I, I noted it here before. I don't, I don't like, I don't like blowing smoke on people. They need to know where, they need to know where I stand. I really liked what he did with the rules on Alien. Yeah. I think because of his involvement, heavy involvement in Oktoberfest, these rules will be better than Houdini's rules. And I was not impressed with Houdini's rules. I don't have enough time on, ooh, throwing my pen. I do not have enough time on Houdini to comment a lot on the rules. But Josh is definitely the guy who's putting in these massive monologue instructions because this game has some of those too. And they, in my view, need to scale back on that. Uh, It's nice to spell things out, but that's what you have a screen for. So we don't constantly need auto to tell us how, what every flipper button is to do in my, in my judgment. Right. But, uh, some of the multiplier things Josh explains, uh, Joe's got things like you're collecting these beer steins. They do things. They help with the, the modes. They also confer other benefits. There's an interesting idea where they had a difference of opinion about you're gathering, you eat food at Oktoberfest and Joe has it. So the food is like, uh, it's a points. I think they call them, they use the term accelerators. It's an accelerator to help your score grow. So the more food you eat, the better your scoring is. But if you eat too much food, you've gone into a food coma and so Joe wanted to put in this option so that, which I guess they have, where you have to basically go and burn, you got to go to the gym or whatever. You got to burn those calories off. You ate too much food. You had too many wiener schnitzels. Well, I guess the way Joe would have done it is, uh, or excuse me, Josh, I'm saying there's too many J names in this. Uh, Kugler, let's just use last names. Kugler did the, came up with that idea, but he was going to have it. So if you ate too much, you had to do all that. And then all of the, like all the calories would have gone away. And Schober was like, you can't, you can't take away the accelerator. You can't take points. You can't take things away from players like that. The tournament players will not forgive you. So basically if you accidentally eat one too many calories, you've lost everything. Right. So the compromise was the game's going to keep track of calories consumed, which are zero accelerator, but also calories burned. Because you have to keep within a certain amount. You don't. There's going to be a magic number you're going to aim to maintain yeah. to maintain the best uh, acceleration of your score. Yeah, it's basically, I guess, in uh, so I understand it. In theory, it's one calorie short of food coma is what you want. But I don't know exactly how it will. And they're still tweaking a lot of the scoring as they're watching how it went at Expo because they want it to be relatively balanced. Yeah. Um. So I think the code's very exciting. I think the layout's okay. Art package is bad. Sound package, and I've already seen one of the uh, people involved with American Pinball comment. They recognize that the uh, the criticisms about auto not even sounding German. Last night at our tournament, I joked that he sounded Irish. However, online comments are more that he sounds Jamaican. <laughs> so anyway, they indicated that they're they're looking to revise some of that. A lot of people were getting very frustrated with the music. There was very little polka that you could hear at Expo. 
currently that issue is primarily that only one main track song was playing when you weren't in a mode not oh. all four so people are hearing the same song over and over and right. over it's kind of a metal so- sound with some accordion in it or whatever however death the, polka yeah but but ultimately not even 50 percent of the music in the game will be polka yeah most of it and joe indicated that to us when he had just mentioned there's not really going to be as much polka as people think there will be that's not what's played at a lot of our oh, yeah people want their oompas though there there's like a whole oomp this is pen side for you there's a whole oompa faction that just like wants it to be pure oompa or they won't buy it <laughs> that's the new claim there's always people that claim that now here's the only thing I think that is important. When you activate beer barrel multiball, it has to play roll out the barrel. Otherwise, I won't buy it. Okay. I hope you told them that. Roll out the barrel. Uh, to- the toys on the play field I thought looked good. Barrel yeah, they looks look good. Fine. Roller coaster looks fine. Yeah. Uh, auto figure looks good. The ducks are fine. Um, the hunting the ducks. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the objective, I mean, they, I feel that with what they're doing with the rules and the tents, uh, based around the Munich Oktoberfest, I think they're working within what the theme dictates just mm-hmm. fine. I don't think this theme sells units, though. No. I think this is a less attractive theme than Houdini. I didn't need to see it to know that. I'm standing by that statement because it's an objectively, measurably true statement. If Oktoberfest sells better than Houdini, I think it will be on the backs of two things. Primarily that the rules are better. And secondarily, the layout may be better. Because a lot of people were very frustrated with the Houdini layout. And I don't think they can get frustrated with this one. It's like every shot is open. Right. I think we'll see. The question is going to be, is it fun? Is this game fun enough to make up for the art package and the theme? And we don't know. I hope so. I th- I think it can be. I think I, I think you're right. I mean, it very well could be. Uh, it has. It is not one of those games where you look at it and you look at the images and everything and you just go, "What?" Mm-hmm. It looks like it has potential. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's all I have to say on Oktoberfest. So let's go ahead and go to the third topic of uh, Pinball Expo stuff that we're going to hit on, and that is the Deep Root panel. The link to uh, Pinball News has a video of it, uh, so I've linked to their YouTube uh, recording in the show notes. Uh, not a tremendous amount to say. There weren't really any reveals of note that Deep Root made. I think a lot of people thought maybe there would be because... Like everyone was there. Robert was up there moderating the panel. They had J Pop, they had John Norris, Dennis Nordman, and uh and Barry Alsler. So they had their four main desires. Steve Bowden was up there. Mm-hmm. And they also had uh Quinn, I believe is his name, the guy who came from the comic book author side. And so they sort of talked about what their I guess what their approach is. Robert has some pre- pre-prepared questions about things like what's different for the designers working at Deep Root than it had been in the past, which I didn't think those really went much of anywhere. Uh, some of them, it wasn't really much different. Some of them, it was just like with John Norris, it's like, oh, we have we have resources because he came from Premiere. <laughs> yeah. So he's just like, well, I have help. I have help. <laughs> I, I have, I, you know, I had dreams and I can finally do these dreams. People didn't understand that there were dreams at Premiere, but we had no money. Couldn't do anything. <laughs> I had no team. What are you talking about? 
I don't know what his lot. Everyone else was like, yeah, well, you know, we're at Bradley Williams. We did have this and this and this. Like, I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say it quite so shocked, <laughs> but it's just sort of like, I think people forget, you know, he's the least known one of the four because all the other ones were at Bally Williams and everyone worships Bally Williams. So. That was interesting. Quinn had some interesting talks about, you know, he's doing a lot of storyboarding for these games and stuff. Uh, as near as I can tell, uh, it seems like Nordman's got two games in the pipe. Okay. J-Pop, I guess, has all three of the Zidware ones are in some process. Uh, Do you going- think that the whole attempted rehabilitation of him is going well? Well... Um. I mean, yeah, in the sense that it's it's going as well as I think it really could, practically speaking. Deep Root, I feel, has bought not obviously not everyone is keen on it. A lot of people are still remain very, and I understand it, remain very angry that Deep Root hired him. Mm-hmm. I, from a strategic level, think. It was a mistake. I don't think Deep Root bought them any advantage by bringing J-Pop on board. I think it, it hurts. No matter what, the choice hurts them. But when it comes to your question on the rehabilitation, their willingness to bail out his Zidware customers, I think, has gone a long ways to at least letting people who might otherwise say, I ain't buying a single thing from Deep Root unless they fire him. Or I'm not buying a single thing from Deep Root because they should have known better than bringing him on in the first place, too. I hope Deep Root succeeds. My dream from Zidware is already crushed, but maybe I'll at least get a game out of it. Even though it's not exactly what I was promised by J-Pop, at least I didn't lose everything. And there was no obligation for Deep Root to do that step. Yeah. And obviously some of them didn't want to go that route, and they sued J-Pop, and they won their lawsuit. I mean, it's, I'm sure, tied up in appeal right now, but... So you had a choice there. And I think that Robert's decision to offer these terms to help alleviate the losses of the Zidware customers in particular has gone a long way to giving his company a, not a pass, but kind of a a second chance look from people that would otherwise be very skeptical. I still think it was a tremendous mistake to have bothered to try and do it. I I think it probably stems from, well, when Robert, when I did my interview with Robert back in February, he mentioned that J-Pop is his favorite designer. And I think that that's why J-Pop is there. with Deep Root. I mean, and not that J-Pop didn't have any other options. So I understand why J-Pop leapt at this chance. But yeah, I I mean, that's what I, that's what I think. So do you think there's so much damage within the pinball community? That his games sell weaker than the others. Uh, or do you think that's going to depend upon how they look and how they play? Well, it depends on more than that. It also depends on the price. And that was something that did come up in the seminar. Uh, Robert indicated that the deep root plan is for any given game, there's just one, one tier, no pro and premium and all that. But not every game is going to be at the same price. And they are planning on a range of games from those they're hoping to price underneath the Stern Pro cost all the way to those that are designed for high-end collectors. So if J-Pop's games are high-end priced ones, they're going to sell less no matter what. So it it wouldn't be fair, really, to compare them if Dennis Nordman's game is beneath a Stern Pro price. Yeah. 
So the only way we'd be able to know is if all of the designers had a game at the same price, and then maybe you could try and draw some conclusions. But you still have to factor in were the themes of equal quality and popularity. Um, and of course, there's the factor of which are the most fun to play. Because, I mean, we don't know. Maybe J-Pops would have been, maybe it's not J-Pop, but maybe he actually designed the worst playing game. I don't know. It, so, uh, I mean, my, my gut instinct is, yes, there will be people who, based off of the comments, if they follow through and they buy Deep Root products, might just refuse to buy any that he's given design credit on, but would buy any others. That would be my personal stance. I have no intention of buying a game from John Papaduke. No, I wouldn't. Um so, <clears throat> but to I, be, I mean, I say that, but I know people love his games, but sure. I, I, that's fine. I, I, I never know. did though. I, I don't, I think the game of his I like the most is probably World Cup Soccer, and I don't really like it all that much. I like that one a decent amount, but, but would I, uh, would I refuse to buy a Deep Root game where he helped, but he wasn't the lead designer? Nah, I, I wouldn't refuse to do that. That's just kind of my stance. Uh, but, I mean, it's been, it's gotten more complicated because it's like, well, Deep Root was trying to give an out for everyone who put money in. So I don't, based off of their decision to do that, I don't feel obligated to punish the company for bringing no, J-Pop I respect the company for that. So due to that, I don't want to say that I, I mean, because I just have to be fair. I've just never really been impressed much by the design style of J-Pop with his long winding diverter ramps and everything. just, that's not the type of pinball I like. Right. So you know, if you base it off of what types of games I like, Dennis Nordman would probably be the play style game I'd lean the most towards. Though I admit I'm extremely curious to see what John Norris can do with a budget because I don't think he ever got the chance, except with arguably Roller Coaster Tycoon at Stern, which has a lot of really interesting stuff in it. I don't think it's the greatest player, but I think it's a very interesting game. And then Barry Osler falls somewhere in there. Some of the Barry's games, like Braum Stoker's Dracula and Pinbot, I really like. And mm-hmm. then like all of his carnival ones I hate. So I just don't I just don't know. So those or you just hate carnival. It's both. It's both. But like you know the paddle wheel on Maverick. Do we yeah. need the Ferris wheel on Hurricane yeah. or whatever? Yeah, no. No. Just no. Just no. Sorry. That was a deep root panel. Uh, last and final news item in pinball. And this one's going to be really brief because we only read about it just before we clicked record. Scott Denisi. Uh, apparently with the p- a panel with Spooky, they talked about his next game. And the only thing I so far know about it is it's called Scott Denisi's Haunted House Party, which... Is a terrible name. Oh, it is. No, it, it's terrible. It's, it's bad. It's, oh, my. <laughs> I saw, I think, a comment uh, in the pinball thread that, Pinside pinball thread that mentioned this, that said, maybe it should have just been called Scott Denise's Haunted House and just draw a direct comparison to the Gottlieb. And that'd be really interesting if he was doing a triple, triple play field. And I'd just be like, I'm going to do Haunted House, but better. One, that wouldn't be hard. And two, it's Scott Denisi. I'm sure he could do better. Yeah, I'm sure. Even if I didn't think that Haunted House was a grossly overrated game. <laughs> but, um, I mean, there's really not anything else. Uh, I don't know what they, I, it looked like from the slide that I saw the photograph of that they were talking about their kind of their planned release schedule of upcoming it was like, you know, everything on Spooky's like on the slow burn. So, uh, but, 
I'm glad he's doing a second game. I think yeah. he, he earned it with the success of Total Nuclear Annihilation. So uh, I just say good luck to him. And I'll look, for, again, just like with the art on Oktoberfest, me hating the Haunted House party name isn't going to affect whether or not I think it's a good game. No, it shouldn't at all. It'll yeah. just depend upon how the game plays. And yeah, this it's night. all about gameplay. That's That's just how life is. Speaking of gameplay, Tony... Before we go to our video game segment, we need to play 20 questions. 20 whole questions. That's right. For those who have never heard this segment before, where have you been? And secondly, this is how it works. Tony will get to ask me a series of yes or no questions. It'll be about a pinball machine that I know he has played before. Maybe only once, but he has played it before. It's a closed book exam through the first 15 questions. But as of questions 16 through 20, he may access the internet, he may go to Penside, IPDB, and or any other source that he wants to try and sleuth out the answer. So I'm going to phone a friend. You can phone a friend. No, you can't. You can, it's open books, not phone a friend. We are not going to wait here for you to phone a friend. You don't have any friends. I'm sorry, that was dark. <laughs> That, wow. was too, that was too far. That's kind of harsh. That was, uh, especially considering I was just going to pick up the phone and call your phone. No, but I tolerate you because I have to for the success of it. Because if this was the eclectic Dennis podcast, no one would listen to it. Like, oh my god, why? That's horrible. So I am ready for you whenever you want to get started, and I will keep count as per usual. Is it a solid state? Yes. Is it a DMD game? Yes. Is it Simpsons Pinball Party? No. Oh, okay. I just wow. had to throw one out there. You were, you were just like, I'm going to own the record of fastest guess. I was hoping. Hey, you could just keep guessing DMD games. Maybe you'll get lucky. Well, I was just, it, it, it was a game that we both played a fair amount last night at the tournament. And yes. It, with very different. It would have met all the conditions. Right. It is solid state. It is a DMD, you know, versus all those electromechanical DMDs. Right. Is it a Stern? No. Is it a bally? Yes. That's question five. Does it have more than two flippers? No. Hmm. Yes, there's some dead air here because I've got some weird stuff going in my head right now. Um, is it AFM? No. Attack from Mars for those that might not know the abbreviation. I figured since you hit me with that whole... Since the last time time where we were both going at it, you hit me with my Grail pin there. Mm. I thought and you I'd thought go. I would continue to do that. I thought it was a possibility that you. It would is go a possibility. So it just wasn't the right possibility. It wasn't the right possibility. Let's see. Two flippers, Bally Williams, DMD era. That only cuts it down to like 500 games. I'm going to go with... Was it a Brian Eddy game? No. Was it a Richie game? No. Like how I phrased that so it so it covered yeah, two designers. Yeah, that was clever. That, that was, was it a Lawler game? No. Wow. That's question 10. Is it a sci-fi theme? Yes. Interesting. Was it 95 or later? Later as in newer? Yeah, yeah. Was it, was it 1995 no, or, no, it's or, not. or newer? Was it 1994? No. 93? No. 92? 
Yes. That's question 15. All right. So much for getting my early jumps out of the way. So I can cheat now. It's not really cheating. It's not cheating. It's in the rules. I'm going to be mad, aren't I? I'm well, always mad. I don't know. I don't know. I'm almost always mad, honestly. Because it's always like, why didn't I think of that one? I'll be really mad if it's one of the three that was running through my mind at one point. Because there, th- there were three, besides the, the AFM and Simpsons, that were running in my mind. Because it, that wouldn't be the the first year, the first time that I'd had a game title that popped into my head and I didn't say it because it's like, I don't know yet. And then it turns out to have been that one and it's like, oh, I could have gotten it early. Was it Black Rose? No. Okay. Oh, wait, that's Midway. Midway is Bally. Okay, you count Midway as Bally? Midway is Bally. Well, I know they are Bally, but some people consider them separate. Midway's trade name was Bally. No one considers them separate. Okay. There is no, if you look on the list, there is no Bally under WMS. It's all Midway. Midway and Williams. Oh. That's what I mean. Oh. Midway Manufacturing Company is a subsidiary of WMS Industries and its trade name is Bally. Yeah, I, I knew that was how they did, how, how it was owned. I just wasn't sure how it was, how some people would consider the, the brand. Right. When Williams acquired Bally Midway, as it's sometimes commonly referred to, the pinball machines were either branded Williams or Bally. Okay. But they'll all say, all the Midway games say Bally on them. Maybe that's a better way to phrase it. Oh, why would I have guessed that anyway? Because I already wiped out Brian Eddy. That was a waste. Well, trying to factor all these things in is yeah. challenging. Was it Creature? Yes. 17th question. That seems to be where I'm averaging is 17 questions. That's why I um, I hesitated when you asked if it was sci-fi. Because I didn't know how to answer that. Because the game is a mix. of It's a drive-in, which is right. not sci-fi. But there's a part in the game where you are trying to find the creature. And I would say he is a sci-fi I would I would consider creature sci-fi. Because so, I think the film counted as sci-fi. IPDB considers it drive-in and fictional, which doesn't really help. Oh, so. yeah, no. But, uh, yeah, so that was a Bally-branded WMS game, 1992. Uh, John Trudeau designed it. Yes. And uh, two flippers. Yeah. an early DMD title. Well, and I'm, you've played it many times. I've played it many, many, many times. Now, I'm, I'm glad it wasn't the other 92 games I'm seeing on here. Because... Creature isn't one of the ones that was in my head. Fishtails was. Oh, yes. But Fishtails is not sci-fi. Right. And Doctor Who was. And Fishtails was a Mark Ritchie game, I believe. So it would not have been eligible. Yeah. Now, Doctor Who could have worked because that's Barry Osler and you didn't ask about him. No, I didn't. Okay. Well, you did get it. So good job, Tony. That was wonderful. Your victory streak continues. Yay. My terrible, terrible victory streak. And everybody at home's going, you're an idiot. They might not be going that. You should be saying you're an idiot. As we learned with when we had Jason on and when we had Joe on, it's much easier to play at home. It (laughs) It is. It is. Before, before the might of my microphone glaring at you. It, it, it is. It is. It, I, I will agree. It is much easier to do it from somewhere else than yeah. 
Because then all of a sudden you're just like, oh, I can't remember, or why did I ask for this date? I know nothing about this date. Or right. well, with me, that's like every. It's like why did I, I? I know nothing about that. I always know nothing about that. I noticed this time you you went with a strategy of uh, not asking for the dates initially, right? Because I open my pop here. Didn't because I'm terrible at the dates. Mm. The best I can get is I I I never normally can narrow the dates down to like three or four years. Sure. I, because I, I don't have that memory where everything's locked in. It's very, it's hard to keep track. I mean, when you consider the breadth of all these, of flipper pinball. <clears throat> yeah. It's hard. It's hard to do. I don't have them all memorized. Not, not all, not all of them. Just a, no, just enough. I of have them. a few of them. A few of them. I have a few of them. Uh, what was I? You were probably saying, let's go to the video game segment. Yes, because I don't think I'm going to hit you this time, because last time I hit you, I did very poorly. Mm-hmm. Also, I didn't I didn't look anything up yet. Okay. No, so. that's fine. So, video games. Uh, we'll do a transition topic that kind of spans both, right? That's not new news, but when we had Joe on, he... He's not really into the world of modern video games, so we didn't talk on some of these topics. So some of these have been out for a couple weeks. Here's a big one, though, that a lot of pinball people have been talking about because a lot of pinball people like virtual pinball. And that is the whole brouhaha about there being censorship of all these <gasps> Williams tables and pinball FX3. And I have an article about that linked in the show notes. But long story short, Zen Studios, which makes pinball FX3, has responded when people started to notice that dot matrix animations and some of the actual artwork on playfields and plastics and stuff being emulated were modified, removing things like pipes, blood, um, and other kind of things that might not let them, in their words, keep their E10 rating, which is what their goal is. They want to keep an everyone 10 and over rating. Uh, and they pointed out because I got in a discussion about this, uh, uh, I think on the gaming on 10 minutes a week discord about how I assumed that from the get go was about their rating, but then I pulled pinball arcades rating and pinball arcade had the same rating and they didn't do these censorships. So Zen said it is about the rating and went so far as to say pinball arcade was in violation of the ratings, which is technically true. And, or at least that's what they're arguing is like they're that the rating board missed all that stuff. And so uh, what are your thoughts on this? Like, is this a big deal? People are very mixed. I know some people feel very strongly that these should not be modified. And then there are other people that are like, it's fake pinball anyway. Who cares? I'm going to lean towards more towards the. I'm not going to do the whole, Oh, it's fake pinball anyway, but, but I will lean towards who cares. It's, it doesn't affect the gameplay in a lot of situations, not all of them, but in a lot of the situations, the changes are so minor, you might not even notice them. And a lot didn't notice initially. <laughs> and it's one of those things that I can, I think, as a parent, I understand the reasoning uh, why rating systems got created like they have been created. And I understand that a lot of the rating is done and managed uh, because they don't want harsher legal requirements coming down, so they create the ratings and maintain the ratings like they do. And I understand why. I do think most... I think ratings for anything under uh, extreme violence, 
uh, and sex and this and that are dumb. The whole, the ratings on, on like smoking and drinking are dumb. People smoke and they drink. It, it, it's real life. That, that's part of it. And it's something that a kid is more likely than not going to see or does see every day. So I don't understand why it's a big deal. Violence. Uh, it, this is another U.S. thing. Um, or at least from what I've seen, it seems to be a U.S. thing is that weird crossover where, well, we can be extremely violent, but if there's no blood, it's not violent. Mm thing that i don't understand it's well, like that's graphic by I, under, I i understand but i mean i understand what it is but at the same time it, it's like just because i just watched somebody break a guy's spine and he didn't bleed doesn't make that better than that guy who got shot and was bleeding everywhere or when people get shot but don't bleed i don't understand why well well, we would well if he bled everywhere, the rating would have been worse. You just shot a guy, and in this case, this is more movies than video games. But it's like a guy got shot. It doesn't matter if you can see him bleeding or not. That the fact of being shot should affect the rating, not the fact. Oh well, he wasn't bleeding, so it's okay. Well, I think I think that person getting shot does affect the rating. It doesn't make it an R. Is the issue. Right. And that's because I assume it's because some people have a more visceral reaction to seeing blood. And that's the, it's not, if you had a lot of blood and no one died, they'd also get the R. It's that people get uncomfortable with seeing human life liquefied all over the place. Right. I guess. I'm not sure where you're going with any of it is where I. Well, this is just the reason why you don't want cigarettes and stuff on things for younger kids is because. If you have these protagonists doing it, then kids think that smoking makes you cool. That's why they restrict I, it. I understand the argument. When your parent smokes, you already know that they're not cool because they're your parent anyway. <laughs> You're like, no, that's mom and dad. They suck because they do, don't let me do what I want. Why don't you that's smoke? How, that's, that's life. Because you're, you're, that's you're life. so uncool, I couldn't do but, it. But I liked her part or the whole. But you know, when you go, I mean, for every day you see... Dad drink twenty shots of tequila and then beat, beat his beat your mom. No, that is that not was what that's I real said. life. That's real life. But no, you do see people. I mean, sure, people smoke. I still see them, even though smoking is down nationwide. I still see people smoking every single day. Sure. Now I do. Know, I mean, things have changed. I remember when I first entered the workforce, I was the only non-smoker, and now we there's only two smokers out of like thirty of us now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there, 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 there are major changes that have come down and there's more, and, and there's more coming. I just have never fully gotten the way some of the ratings go. I accept it. I know why they do it. I just don't think it's a big deal. Well, I don't know if they think it's a big deal or not, but they think it's a big deal to keep their E10. Rating. I agree that they should full on try and keep their E10 rating. So, I think that this is, it's fine if people want to get mad. And if people don't want to buy it, that's fine too. Uh, and most of those people are people who probably either wouldn't have bought it or already own it on the pinball arcade. Could be. Could or- be. I, I think that, well, first of all, people asking for the ability to go into the game settings and turn off family friendly mode don't understand how the ratings work. Right. That's, you guys, I'm not going to say that you're dumb, but you need to re, 
it's as easy as going in and just flicking a switch that completely undermines the rating system. That's stupid. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. That's so, not how it's designed. It's not at all. a toggle. Okay. That's still just as adult. So you're being silly. Don't, that's not the answer. If you want to give the, you just don't want them to have the family friendly version. So just say that and they're going to ignore you, but you're not getting a toggle. That's not how right. the science of how it works. The other thing, the other argument, which I don't particularly care for is the, the slippery slope or undermining the artist. This is commercial art, people. This is not the Louvre. Quit pretending that this is some high minded craft. It's commercialized art. It's not about a statement. It's about money. You can like it if you want, but it's lowbrow and quit pretending that it's something that it's not and trying to hang it up on the walls of museums. It can be modified. It's commercial. They're not, Yassi's not going to get worked up about it. <laughs> it's, it's not, no. No, you're right. Yeah, people you're are right. T- I get it. You put your hobby on a pedestal, a but argument. quit acting like even, I'm not saying that these are not highly skilled artists, but this is commercial art. It's different beast. This mm-hmm. is like getting mad at someone changing someone's ad campaign. Wah. Yeah. No, that's, it's, Wah. I don't want to hear it's it. It's terrible. I don't want to hear it. Terrible We're argument. We're done. I know having all these flashbacks to my parents beating each other as after <laughs> they had all their cigarettes and drinks every night. This violent life. How did I survive? Oh, we didn't even talk about the heroin. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of heroin, uh, you have an update on Telltale. It was a different time back then. That's what I've been told. Mm-hmm. We have to understand times were different back then. Yes. There's been a lot of stuff in Telltale, uh, the, the Telltale saga. Do we want to go with that? I like, I kind of like that. Um, we didn't get to talk about it. This, a lot of this came up before the last episode, uh, but it's just continued to roll and get bigger. Uh, Telltale did find a, another company, uh, Skybound Games, who is going to complete Season four of The Walking Dead. Mm. Um, let's see. Skybound, I'm, this is a direct quote from the article I read. Skybound Games is part of the company behind The Walking Dead comics, which Telltale's adaptation is based upon. Uh, we are so happy to announce that we've reached a deal with Telltale Games that will allow Skybound to continue The Walking Dead the final season. Um, we'll have a link to that article. But basically, the initial release was that Skybound was going to finish it. Then there were articles that came out talking about Skybound was in talks to use at least some of Telltale's employees to finish the game. And it finally came out earlier this week that Skybound will be finishing the game with primarily ex-Telltale employees. Okay. So at least some of them, they don't get a severance package or or any of that stuff. But at least some of them will be able to move straight into a job doing what they were doing before for at least the amount of time it takes to finish uh, the final season of The Walking Dead. How long that takes, I don't know. Uh, from everything I've read, they don't, they haven't put any timelines on it because they're basically going to have to spin the whole system back up. Okay. Makes uh, sense. Yeah. Well, that overall, that's good news. Good so. news for the employees, which... Uh, and I'll say secondarily good news for gamers. I don't, and mostly I think people were being very sympathetic to the, the impact this had on the staff of Telltale. Right. There were some initial reactions of people going, well, but what about my finished Walking Dead? It's like, 
Um, the priority, I think, for a lot of people who know the industry isn't going to be that you get the next two episodes of The Walking Dead. It's probably about the hundreds of people that got no severance and immediately lost their jobs. And their concern as people is not going to be that you get to finish your story with Clementine. Right. So, wham. But this is a nice, happy uh, result. I hope it uh, it pans out. I probably will. I think this will be able to move forward. Um, though I'm not highly familiar with Skybound. I'm not either, but... Now, I am somewhat more familiar with CD, CD Project Red. And you've got another interesting thing here. What's this about demands? Why are there demands? Well, it came out uh, several weeks ago again. That the original author of The Witcher. Now, the Witcher series, the Witcher games, extremely popular. Yep. Especially Witcher 3 was just insanely popular. It was an incredible advancement over Witcher 2, which was, I heard, I didn't play the first Witcher. Yeah. But I heard Witcher 2 was a significant step up from the first game. And then the third game just went full open world. Right. And what some people, especially in the U.S., I mean, Witcher fans will know, but non-Witcher fans probably don't know, is that the Witcher series is based off of a series of novels, uh, Polish fantasy novels. And the original Witcher author, uh, Andrzej Andrzej Sapkowski. Wow, you said that perfect. Sapkowski, I can get. That's easy because that's, you know, bloody near my last name. But... Uh, he sold all the rights to the for the Witchers to the game to CD Projekt Red for a lump sum, uh, instead of a percentage of profits because uh, he thought it would be a failure and he wanted his money now instead of just getting a little bit of money later on. He'd want as much as he could get right now. Understandable, understandable. But then it turned out that the game was huge, it's and huge. he actually sold it for uh, chump change. Mm. Now, uh, this isn't like a lawsuit. He's not suing CD Projekt Red. Uh, but under Polish law, there is a provision to protect, uh, creators where if they sell their rights to something and it ends up being much larger than expected, they can put out a demand to try and get more money to make up the difference. So that's what he's doing. And he's specifically going for, you know, uh, $16 million. Okay. To make up the difference between what he was paid and what he thinks it was actually worth. Um, from everything I've read about this and about a whole lot of other things, the author's kind of an ass. But honestly, if the law allows him to do this, I'm perfectly okay with it. If that's how the law is written, because he, there's no reason I think somebody should get completely screwed over because something got way bigger than they expected. Yeah. I, I mean, if this was, if this was under American law, this would be a joke. This it would be a joke. Would be a jo- but it's different legal setup that the deal was made under. So I'm not going to judge it based off of the American criteria. It sounds like, from what I what you've summarized, the Polish law is probably on his side. Mm-hmm. The company made a great deal of money off of The Witcher. I won't be surprised if they give him. They might even give him all of this. I right. Don't, I don't, I don't know, know what their f- fiscal position is in. They're they've been moving forward with a different game setup since they're not doing anything new with The Witcher. But the company seems to be doing very well. Yes. So. 
Yeah, I'm like you. If, if this had been in the U.S. or somewhere like that, I would have just laughed. I'd be like, you're screwed. But since they're law, they've got laws that actually protect his ability to do this, work within the law. You, you follow, do, do what you can. There's no reason for you to not get yours if the law lets you do it. Yep. So, moving from one massive game to another, <laughs> you were talking about Diablo at the introduction segment mm-hmm. because you've been spending a lot of time with it. So you've put in that there's some hype about Diablo and it's gone totally bananas. It has. The whole thing here is BlizzCon. For those of you who don't, who don't know, Blizzard, uh, who is the creator of uh, such unknown games as World of Warcraft and Overwatch and Diablo, games nobody's ever heard of. They hold their own convention every year and it is coming up. And when they released both the map of the convention hall and the uh, calendar of events, a lot of people noticed that the very first event in the queue in the main room after opening ceremonies, of course, was a large Diablo panel titled Diablo What's Next. Uh, there were next to the Diablo booth area, which is set up directly next to the main event hall. There's a large empty space. The last time a large empty space appeared on the maps of a BlizzCon like that was before the Overwatch announcement where they had playable copies of Overwatch. Mm. And there were some tweets and releases online talking about big news coming for Diablo fans. Obviously, you can see where this is going. Yeah. Where's my new Diablo? <laughs> That's exactly where the fandom went. The fandom went insane with speculation. Up to the point I saw speculation where people were talking about, oh, there will be playable demos of Diablo 4. It is here. It's at that state. It's going to be huge. All the- going insane. It went so crazy. that Blizzard had to put out an announcement that was basically, whoa, guys. Seriously, calm down, take a step back, take a deep breath. I'm actually going to read the, uh, the, uh, a section of the announcement, uh, from Blizzard's website directly. BlizzCon 2018 is almost here, and we've seen a lot of rumors flying around our plans for Diablo at the show. These are very exciting times. We currently have multiple teams working on different Diablo projects, and we can't wait to tell you all about them. When the time is right, we know that many of you are, are what many of you are hoping for. And we can only say that good things come to those who wait, but evil things take longer. We appreciate your patience as our teams work tirelessly to create nightmarish experiences worthy of the Lord of Terror. I'm going to take this and, uh, just in case you didn't fully understand what it means, it was, Oh, God, no, we're not giving you a new game. That's like years out. Mm. So please, this is just, just, just calm down. We're going to show you like, you know, I, we're making a mobile game. I don't know that they're making a mobile game. I would believe they'd make a mobile game or maybe, maybe they, maybe there's been rumors that they've got a Netflix project coming out. I've heard speculation they might be remastering the first Diablo for modern systems. I've heard the same thing about the second Diablo as well. Mm. Which most people consider to be the best Diablo. Yeah, I, w- I would I would lean too. that way. Yeah. 
so I think that, so that's the kind of stuff I think they're going to be pushing forward as what actually is happening. I think if they say anything about a, a, a Diablo next or Diablo four, however you want to consider it, the best you're going to see is going to be like the elder scroll cop out at the, uh, at E3 where they just showed, look, Here's random image of stuff and then a symbol that says Elder Scrolls. Yeah, it's coming in like four years. Yes. Yeah. In two generations yeah, of consoles. Yeah, it, it, it'll happen eventually. <laughs> we know you love it. We know you want it. It'll happen eventually, but not now. I, that's the same thing with this with Diablo. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, I mean, it has been six years since uh, the last Diablo release. It's been two years since the last DLC for Diablo. So I guess it's possible they could be dropping a DLC as well. Maybe. But, I mean, but I doubt it. I think it's like we said, it's probably, we're probably going to see some remasters or some other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still played. Uh, Blizzard likes to give long legs to their games, but yeah. Diablo, it's still fun. Like I said earlier, and since they're running the season system they've created, it lets you buy into the game not not buy into the game but it le- it gives you new content and new stuff and because the way they set up their season stuff if you start a seasonal character you start with a level one character with no access to anything else you've ever done in the game before so you, it's basically like it's like a new game plus mode mm. okay so it's it's fun it's enjoyable <laughs> Now you have next up this weird one listed as that Obama hates Pokemon. That's literally all it is. Obama put out a voting uh, 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 a tweet that had a video of him talking about why people should vote. And you should vote. Please vote. I don't care who you vote for. Just vote. I, I feel really bad when you see some countries have like 92% voter, voter turnout and we've got like 40. But don't worry, that's as political as we're getting on this. Yeah, show. yeah, no, that's as far as we're going to go. Uh, but with how he, they put out the thing of uh, this video talking about how you should vote and bad reasons to not vote. And one of the first reasons was, well, I don't like anybody running. And he goes, well, I don't like Pokemon, but that doesn't mean that it's, that there's not, that, that some people don't and that you shouldn't like take part in stuff. That's literally it. Obama hates Pokemon. Huh. Oh, that's not very nice. They're so adorable. I mean, it's just... Oh, well. Okay. He can hate what he wants. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not important. I just thought it was funny. Okay. <laughs> well, the, then the last real news item we'll, we'll cover. This is actually from the start of October. I've not seen any more recent updates since then, but we had not yet touched on it, and I think it deserves to be touched it on. It does. Would be. And we'll have a link to the, an article about it in the show notes for those that want to read more, but... Microsoft has been reported to be in finalization on their acquisition of Obsidian Entertainment. And uh, for those that might think back to our E3 time period when we did our E3 episode, we mentioned the Microsoft presentation had a heavy, though it wasn't a heavy time focus, there was a heavy focus on pointing out that they had acquired four studios this year to expand their first-party lineup of games. This would be the fifth studio. Uh, Reports are indicating that the negotiations were, as of the start of October, 90% complete, and that this is not a question of if, it is merely a question of when the deal will be inked. Obsidian, uh, I'd say most recently, is probably known for putting out Fallout New Vegas, 
They also are known for their Knights of the Old Republic games. Yep. They have quite a pedigree, particularly on the PC side, actually. So I know some PC... Especially for RPG games. Yes. And so a lot of people that I've seen comment on this have mentioned excitement because they feel Microsoft has been weak in the RPG area, especially given the loss of Lionsgate. Even though there's a lot of vast speculation that Playground Games, which is known for the Forza Horizon racing series, now that they have two teams, that the second team is going to be doing Fable that this would add to their RPG bona fides, and also it might uh, give them some good uh, PC ga- games as well, because Microsoft is not just focusing exclusively on consoles. They haven't for quite a while. So um, I liked New Vegas. I thought it was buggy, but I thought the storytelling and the world built were better than Fallout 3. Agreed. And so I liked what they can do on RPGs. I was not a Knights of the Old Republic player, but those games are worshipped. They are. Obviously, EA currently has the LucasArts Disney license right now. But who knows what's going to happen when that uh, ends in a few, what, three years or something? three years. Yeah, because reports I've been reading are that Disney is not happy with how EA has managed that license. And I can understand that because EA has done a really terrible job with that license. So I'm not saying that Microsoft then gets it. I mean, I imagine they'd want their stuff to be multi-platform, not just PC and Xbox. But nonetheless. But just because, I mean, just because Microsoft owns Obsidian doesn't mean that Obsidian can't do multi-platform. Microsoft has allowed their controlled products to go multi-platform before um, and support it. Minecraft Mm -hmm. is perhaps the best case in point where they have readily encouraged it to be anywhere it can infect itself. Which is exactly what it does. But the this just, I think this was, while the E3 announcement was very big, my main issue with the E3 announcement was most of the studios that Microsoft acquired were pretty small. Uh, now with Microsoft resources that they could still probably accomplish quite a bit of stuff. This is not to me small. This no. is a, this is an independent studio. They've been independent since they formed in 2003, but they are a powerhouse producer yes. on the RPG side. They, they are. They are, I would say, in my personal opinion, Obsidian is the best RPG game maker out there. Wow. More than Bioware. Yes. Okay. I mean, Bioware's good, but I prefer, uh, like, like, like Pillars of Eternity, uh-huh. uh, and Tyranny, uh, the RPG stuff, the stuff they did in Fallout New Vegas, uh, it, how, what they brought into their progression, their stories and stuff is what made Fallout New Vegas my favorite of the new Fallout games. Yeah. I mean, what they can bring and, it's a huge, it's a huge thing. It's a huge purchase. And I think it's a great idea for Microsoft. Yeah. I, well, I've, I've already been leaning based off of what I've heard from Phil Spencer and what they did at E3. I think this is just more evidence that they are seriously going to make a bid to try and regain control in the quote unquote console wars as of the next generation. Yes. And regardless of that, that Microsoft is giving Phil the financial backing to actually Raise the, raise the status of the games portfolio that Xbox players can expect to have. So that you'll actually have a compelling reason to not choose Sony for its exclusives, that they'll actually have some. And for the PC master race folks out there, Microsoft 
assuming they continue to and probably will remain committed to their exclusives being available on Windows-based PC platforms, allowing those gamers to enjoy this stuff. They make money either way, so they don't care if you play on the console or you play on the PC. As far as they're concerned, they want you to cross-play across both anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, uh, for me, it's a positive because I've been in the Xbox ecosystem since the 360, but overall, I just think it's smart from a competitive standpoint. That Microsoft, even with the four studios they acquired, they were still, I think, two or three studios short of what Sony has. This is essentially parody with this. I would think so. I, I would. I would think the them having Obsidian would me would give me pause in my if I was was to seriously consider grabbing a third generation or the not third but the next generation consoles when they come out. I would give serious consideration to going Microsoft, knowing that Obsidian could mm. be putting out Microsoft only games. Yeah. It's, uh, cause it's, as it's is, interesting. If it's I'm, interesting. I, I, my intention to buy into this, uh, uh, generation, which I'm going to at some point. Well, you did. You got a, you got a switch. I've got a switch, but, uh, my intention to buy like between the big two, uh, will probably at this point if I did it'd be PlayStation. Yeah, that makes sense. They won. This generation's over. Pretty much. I, I yeah. mean even though there's a bunch of games coming out, there's gonna be games coming out for years yet. The gen the the fight for the generation is over. Yeah, I, I think so. I don't see how anyone reverses fortunes at this point. No. Or, especially because this generation's not expected to last as long as the last one did. Most of the reports I'm seeing about the Next-gen console development is already started, but I don't know if it's started by Nintendo. It has started at Sony and Microsoft. Right. And, and the, Nintendo's always run weird on that. The, anyway. assumption, thing. the assumption is 2020. Oh, I was thinking 2022-ish, probably. It sounded like at least 2020 for the announcements of the systems. So maybe out in 2021. But yeah, basically one more full calendar year of not not talking about that stuff and then probably moving forward to something new with yeah. uh just and so it, they can because obviously they did their their progressives their playstation 4 pro your xbox one x which kind of tacked on enhanced support 4k but i think they're going to want everyone to have systems that can do it uh, right. moving forward and that the and there's been huge changes in graphics systems in the last sure like, three and years and for micro i mean i i've I expect it from Sony as well, though. They they don't have the history of it like how Microsoft has. But I'm sure Microsoft's new system, which I think is codenamed Scarlet right now, will be fully backwards compatible because they've been stressing. That's what been one of their things that Phil's been doing. Not I won't say quietly because they've been pretty prominent about announcing it, but it's not as important to a lot of people. But many of the 360 games can be played on the one and some of the original Xbox as well at this point. And given what, and I expect it for Sony as well, just because now that the architecture is almost identical to x86 PCs, there's no reason not to allow backwards compatibility. Yeah. So I think with all that, Microsoft is trying, gonna want to move forward and say, this will play all of the Xbox One games just from the get go. Plus it will thus be able to do all the backwards 360 and originals as well, which Sony probably won't bother doing. Because they don't need to. They've got their streaming service. Right. So, even though it sucks. But 
I think I think you're right. I think that that is something. At least I, I, I let's go with. I hope that's how they do it. It but would we'll make see. the most sense. We'll see. Personally, I would like to see Microsoft get one more. <laughs> sounds so greedy. I want one more studio. I know they got um, Ninja Theory, which is helpful, but I would really. I think that they should probably try and get either a Japanese RPG studio and just start owning part of that market. Mm-hmm. Though maybe it's not a big enough market to care about. Or I still think that they should buy Capcom. And just say we're we have Capcom now. It gets you so much IP. It does. It gets you so much IP, and you anyone could run it better than Capcom does. So right. I mean, but it gets you Street Fighter, so you'll have all the fighting game players will have to buy your system. See what you do there is they buy Capcom, they get Street Fighter, they take all the IP information for Street Fighter, they make a new Street Fighter game. Of course they do. But they take all the IP information for Street Fighter, they hand it to Obsidian, and they turn out a Street Fighter RPG. That would be interesting. And then they could also have Street Fighter cross all the other weird stuff Microsoft has. So, like, it can fight against Master Chief. It can fight against the Ford Focus. They can put out their own version of Smash. And it'll probably be just as cruddy. Probably. I don't think it'd be any worse. So, there's that. And speaking of being there's that, we're at the end of the show. We made it. We're done. For two weeks. So... That's it. Uh, don't expect to have any guests. Actually, I don't have any guests planned for the rest of the year, really. Yeah. Uh, so it'd probably just be some jibber jabber. Jibber jabber. But jibber-jabber. hopefully entertaining. We'll have to see if there's any more news on, coming up. Towards the end of the year will be a rush of games. Everyone's talking about Red Dead Redemption 2 about of course. and all that, but. And, 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 and how they're, they're destroying mom and pop. Yeah. Video game stores. Yep. Terrible. But that's not for us to weigh in. All we can say is that I am Dennis. I'm Tony. And you can always email us at eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com or you can write into us uh, at Facebook. Yes, I was pausing as I think. Yes. You can write into us at facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at eclectic underscore gamers. And before we end, we did get an email. So I thought, let me read it. We, 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 don't, we don't get them too much. This is from Eric W., so thank you, Eric W. I thought this one you would really like. You really like. I did write back to him, but he wrote, "I was listening to your conversation about pops or pop bumper one, mm-hmm. and it sounds like you are asking for a game just like Rob Zombie. I've always enjoyed the. I've always enjoyed the randomness of that game. Tony, what are your thoughts on Rob Zombie? Here at the end of the episode." It came so terrible. <laughs> That's what I had to respond. I was like, sadly, I hate Rob Zombie. <laughs> Eric, I'm sorry. I uh, To be fair, because we are nothing if not fair, the pop bumpers are placed in very unique positioning, and I think Rob Zombie is a very challenging game on the plunge. Not the, before you initially get control. That. I think all the problems with that game are other... A lot of the problems with the game came from the rule set that relied upon you hitting that massively wide ramp in the middle. But the upper play field was not well designed. It was an incredibly easy upper play field to keep the ball up there with the one flipper if you should want to, like in that stupid bucket of chicken mode or whatever, Mm -hmm. where you just keep doing the little loops. It just, um, it doesn't play very well. In my view. Yeah. I don't blame the pop bumpers for No, that. no. The pop bumpers do add randomness to it. The thing is, once you've gained control, you can easily avoid them. Mm-hmm. And there's no incentive 
to really have gone into the pop bumpers versus some other much safer strategies. So they just, it wasn't incentivized. But thanks for the email. We do appreciate it. Uh, and so until two weeks, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.